click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time now here's your host joe mcclain jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time keeping you informed and inspired i'm your host Joe McClain, so good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It's Friday. You have survived it. Uh, God is so very good. You get to have a weekend. I mean, isn't that amazing? Just imagine what you might be able to do over the weekend. I'm not sure what you're going to be doing, but uh, praise be to God. I get to uh, hang out with my family, of course. We are also going to go to a very cool Catholic literary arts event over the weekend and get to help support an organization that's been so good to support my family. So we're very grateful for that opportunity. Looking forward to the Catholic Literary Arts uh, event this weekend. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, Then I get to fly to Maryland on Sunday evening and spend, well, spend about two hours in the hotel before I have to get up and and produce the radio show on Monday morning, because I'll be at the Men's March there, and I'm looking forward to doing that on Monday. Praise be to God. Plus, we have a really cool guest on Monday. It's going to be an exciting time. And I'll do some uh, on-the-street reporter type of interviewing at the National Men's March to End Abortion in Baltimore, Maryland on Monday. Go to themensmarch.com for the details for that. I encourage you to invite other men to that. But today on the program, we're going to talk about a bunch of stories. You know, with massive sexual financial scandals in the church today, not to mention the pro-abortion politicians, the LGBTQ stuff, all of that, those are massive issues. But don't worry, don't fear, we're focused on suppressing tradition these days. We could, we'll just let the other stuff handle itself, I guess. I don't know. We're going to talk about uh, when the church is crumbling all around us while we're focused on on these uh, suppression of the traditional forms of piety and liturgy, all of that. That's coming up in the What's Concerning Us at 15 past the hour. But in the guest segment, uh, my friend, attorney, Catholic speaker, and political analyst Brent Haynes is going to be on the program to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Where where are we where are we at with the Kyle Rittenhouse trial? How do we look at what has happened so far? His own testimony, the testimony of witnesses, the uh, the pretty dramatic back and forth between the judge and the prosecutors. I mean, it's been a pretty intense uh, trial so far, and we're going to get some legal perspective on all of that. Uh, coming up at 35 past the hour. So a lot to cover today on the program. Hopefully you can join us for all or part of it. But uh, speaking of fireworks, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. It's good to be here. Is it? Praise be to God. In spite of it all? In spite of it all, it's good to be here. Yeah, praise be to God. What's on your agenda for the weekend? Oh, so much. On uh, Well, today, not too much. Today, I'm going to try to sleep. I'm going to sleep a lot. That's the plan for today. Today. But for um, tomorrow, I have... I'm going to a gala for the um, pronunciation. So there you go. Yeah. And then Sunday, uh, we're going to go to early mass, and then we're going to go on a small hike up in uh, Huntsville. So there you go. Huntsville State Park. And I will be uh, going on a small hike. Small hike. Small not hike. 26 miles. So more like 20? Like, like nine. <laughs> nine. Nine's not a small hike, man. Really? No, not really. Most, oh. people, most human beings that go hiking don't hike Nine miles. Oh, well. At a time. 
See, my standard now is 26 miles. Yeah, your standard's so, pretty high. Your standard <laughs> is like, I was like, as long as we're not doing 26 miles, I'm down for whatever. <laughs> it's like, let's, let's do it. Uh, let's do whatever it is you want to do. Just keep it under 26, and we're good. And we're good. So there yeah. you go. Now, but it's flat miles, right? We're talking, oh, yeah. We're talking it's Houston, Houston here. Yeah. So, so it's not mm, no elevation, I think, yeah. is like a couple hills. Right. So it's like, <laughs> not even. like 50 feet <laughs> yeah, exactly. fifty feet of elevation. Yeah. So it'll be easy. Yeah, uh, but you're, you can still get some uh, good blisters there. Praise God. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have to have the blister report on Monday. Then. The blister report. Yeah, the blister report. Um, all right, praise be to God. I'm jealous. I wish I was going uh, hunting and hiking this weekend. That'd be a lot of fun. At any rate, we are going to jump into our hour. Uh, Attorney Brent Haynes is going to be on, as I said, to give us some legal insight into Kyle Rittenhouse trial coming up 35 past the hour. And then I want to cover a, a few stories in the what's concerning us, especially regards uh, Traditionis Custodis, which is you know still an issue in the news. We're going to cover that a little bit today as well. So let's dive in with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, your headline news. The Hill reports Republican Oklahoma governor orders halt to non-binary birth certificates. Praise be to God. TechCrunch reports YouTube is removing the dislike count on all videos across its, across its platform. The decision is likely to be controversial given the extent that it impacts the public's visibility into a video's reception. But YouTube believes the change will better protect its creators from harassment and reduce the threat of what is called dislike attacks, essentially, when a group teams up to drive up the number of dislikes on a video. Users can still click the thumbs down button on videos to signal their dislike to creators privately. YouTube declined to share specific details or data collected through those experiments which TechCrunch asked about. I'm sure it has nothing to do with Joe Biden and the White House YouTube channel getting massive amounts of dislikes. Uh, Daily Wire is reporting Iranian-backed extremists storm U.S. embassy in Yemen, take hostages, and seize equipment. Bloomberg News first reported this on Tuesday that Iran-backed Houthi extremists had taken at least 25 Yemenis working for the United States. A State Department spokesman said that the majority of the hostages had been released, but some embassy staff continued to be detained without explanation. Uh, a spokesman on behalf of the government said the U.S. government will continue its diplomatic efforts to secure the release of our staff and the vacating of our compound, including through our international partners. Breitbart reports witness says that the Kyle Rittenhouse trial that he tried to de-escalate the riot, not cause violence. Freelance journalist Andrew Drew Hernandez testified Thursday in the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that the defendant tried to de-escalate a conflict between rioters and armed guards watching a local business. The testimony was relevant because prosecutors have sought to portray Rittenhouse's actions as provocative. 
Under state law in Wisconsin, self-defense can be invoked only if the defendant did not provoke an attack. If the defendant did provoke an attack, he or she could then only use deadly force in self-defense if it were reasonable to fear death or serious bodily harm. He testified that Rosenbaum, quote, led the charge into the gas station, unquote, and that he became physically aggressive, shouting, quote, shoot me, inward, shoot me, inward, unquote, to provoke a fight with the guards who had gathered at the gas station. The court then watched Hernandez's footage of the encounter, which seemed to corroborate his testimony and recollection of the events. Hernandez added he saw Rosenbaum trying to light another fire, this time with his face partially concealed by a t-shirt. Kyle, or a person with, quote, purple gloves, unquote, then put out the second fire and then asked, quote, if anyone needs medical, unquote. Hernandez testified he saw Rosenbaum charging towards Kyle Rittenhouse. Asked by the defense attorney if he had seen Rittenhouse acting aggressively that night, Hernandez replied, quote, in no way, shape, or form. He says, I saw, uh, for the first time, I, the first time I saw Kyle, he actually de-escalated the situation, Hernandez confirmed. He also said he had not seen Rittenhouse point his firearm at anyone. The Blaze reports Austria is on the cusp of putting the unvaccinated into lockdown. The head of Austria's government warned Thursday that unvaccinated people in the country could be put into lockdown as COVID-19 cases continue to rise. On Monday, a new rule took effect that requires all persons, including travelers, to show valid proof of vaccination or recovery from the virus in order to enter indoor places, including restaurants, hotels, hairdressing salons, and large public events. The new rules stipulate that COVID-19 tests, both PCR and antigen, are no longer valid for entry into certain indoor locations. All persons, including tourists, must have a valid vaccine passport or proof of recovery from COVID-19 to frequent indoor establishments. And those are your headline news. The saint of the day is Saint Jehoshaphat, which is very apropos for the scripture passage today. He is born in 1580. St. Jehoshaphat was born in Lithuania about 1580 into a Catholic family and early promoted Catholic unity in a country divided between Orthodox and Catholics. He entered the Byzantine Monastery of the Holy Trinity in Vilna in 1604 and was elected Catholic Archbishop of Polotsk of in 1614. While clinging firmly to unity while with Rome, he firmly opposed those Latins who saw unity only in Latin terms and would suppress Byzantine traditions in the name of Catholic unity. He firmly opposed the Latinization of his people and made enemies and severe critics among the Latin clergy of Poland. Their threats were so public uh, in regards to the Orthodox and the Catholics that, that Jehoshaphat preached on the gospel verse John 16 too. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that by doing so they are offering worship to God. He told the people, you people want to kill me. You wait in ambush for me in the streets, on the bridges, on the highways, in the marketplaces, everywhere. Here I am. I come to you as a shepherd. You know I would be happy to give my life for you. I'm ready to die for union of the church under St. Peter and his successor, the Pope. On November 12th, Jehoshaphat came out into the courtyard to see the mob beating and trampling his friends and servants. He cried out, my children, what are you doing with my servants? If you have anything against me, here I am, but leave them alone. With shouts of kill the papist, Jehoshaphat was hit with a stick with an axe and finally shot through the head. 
His bloody body was dragged to the river and thrown in, along with the body of a dog who had tried to protect him. The Jews were the only ones to publicly accuse the killers and mourn the death of Jehoshaphat, while the Catholics of the city hid in fear of their lives. Some of the Jewish people risked their own lives to rush into the courtyard and rescue Jehoshaphat's friends and servants from the bloodthirsty mobs. He died on November 12, 1623 and was canonized by Pope Pius IX in 1867. St. Jehoshaphat, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to behold my glory which you have given me in your love for me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Ignatius Catholic Commentary today said that the world may know, envisions unity that is not only spiritual, but also visible and organizational, so that even the world can see it clearly. The invisible unity of the Trinity is the source and pattern of this ecclesial oneness. You know, uh, as we pray in our creed, that it, the church is one, holy, apostolic, and Catholic, right? Those are important, the four marks of the church. And the church fathers will comment today on this particular passage from that perspective. Haydock's commentary goes on to say, This divine prayer of Jesus Christ is a great comfort to all Christians. It is introduced in the holy canon of the Mass before the consecration, and here it was made just before his visible sacrifice on the cross. To let the world see very clearly the body of Christ must be one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. So much more can be said and will be said in the next hour if you can join us uh, on this particular passage from St. Chrysostom, Augustine, and more. Alapide. So join us in the second hour if you can. But otherwise, we're going to go to break. We're going to come right back. What's concerning us is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Embrace Christ. Embrace His Word. And if you stand for life, oh my goodness, you'll put a smile on God's face and He'll bless you. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, my uh, a friend, attorney, Catholic speaker, political analyst, Brent Taines, is going to be on the show to give us some perspective into the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Um, it's been a very flashy week on that. Uh, his uh, Kyle Rittenhouse's own testimony, the testimony of the witnesses, the back and forth between the prosecutor and the judge, all of that has been very, very fascinating. And uh, to get some understanding of what's going on and where things might be, uh, I've invited my friend to, to be on to give us that. So that's coming up. But there are, as I say, a few stories that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure to many of you as well. Um, praise be to Jesus. Uh, let me just go through a couple of headlines first with you. Okay, this one is out of the pillar. Uh, special report, the COVID mass effect. Let me just read this top line. The number of Catholics who say they go to Mass every week has dropped by 14% since the COVID-19 pandemic, according to the Pillar's new survey on religious attitudes and practices. <laughs> I'll go on to read. The deadline could explain, or the decline rather, could explain a proportional decline in parish collections. <laughs> in March, the Pillar found parishes experienced a 12% average decrease in collections during 2020 as compared to 2019 as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and shutdown orders implemented in many locations. All right, so, okay, uh, COVID uh, happened, and then, of course, all the parishes across the country shut down, and everybody went to television masses, and then and then the parishes, the diocese began to open back up, and they were trying to get people to come back, and many didn't come back, and now they're down 14%. Guess what the number was before all of that happened? Well, it wasn't good. The number before was actually very, very bad, and now it's just worse by 14%. All right, so there's that. There's that. But wait, there's more. Oh, yeah, there's more. How about this? Catholic-funded group-founded coalition pushing abortion, LGBT activism, Workers' uh, Center uh, of Central New York. This is a report out of Lepanto Institute, our friend Michael Hitchborn, which I'm going to be hanging out with him on Monday, by the way. Uh, it says, since 2015, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development has provided $270,000 in grants to the Workers' Center for Central New York, including $70,000 grant in CCHD's last published grant cycle, the very last one. So we're not talking years ago. This is right now. This is happening right now. These groups, as the report goes on to detail with great, uh, with great effort by showing proof as Jack Posobiec would say, showing the receipts of how these groups 
uh, support uh, issues that we as Catholics are very contrary to, and yet we give them money. We give them money. We continue to give them money. So great scandal there. But wait, there's more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's more. Here's a report out of Cleveland.com. Headline goes like this. Northeast Ohio priest sentenced to life in prison for sexually exploiting boys, collecting large cash of child pornography. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A Catholic priest was sentenced to life in prison Tuesday for sexually exploiting boys, some of whom he extorted with details he he gained from taking their confessions. Did you catch that? He heard their confessions and then used it against them. Well, U.S. District Judge Sarah Loy said the public needed to be protected from Father Robert McWilliams, saying the priest devastated and, and preyed upon the very youths who sought his help. Just yesterday, we had a conversation with Christine Niles about the priest in Scranton, Pennsylvania, who has been arrested, publicly admitting his own guilt on video that he was targeting teenage boys on tender for hookups. Oh, yeah. But wait, there's more. Oh, there's more. Now, uh, in spite of the, the massive scandals in the church, uh, sexual, financial, moral, and all these other issues, I mean, yesterday also reported that the Vatican stood to lose, what was it, 100 million euro, uh, pounds uh, from, the, from the failed property deal out of London? I mean, Peter Spence money that we all give money to the church to do charitable works, you know, to share the good, the true, and the beautiful, to do good things— um, instead was used to buy, you know, a condo in London, and it went bad, and they're losing $100 million in the process, 100 million pounds. And what we see instead is a concerted effort to not address these massive sexual, massive financial, massive moral problems within the church. Instead, we see an effort to suppress traditional forms of piety and liturgy and and to suppress... Uh, those that want more of the Catholic Church, not less. I mean, 14% uh, in numbers going down after COVID, and it wasn't great before. This is a problem. But the Vatican Liturgy Chief, this is out of this uh, Catholic News Agency, he actually claims, now this is Archbishop Arthur Roach out of the Vatican, he is claiming that Pope Paul VI abrogated the traditional form of the Mass. Is that true? Well, I don't, whether it's true or not is one issue, and I'll come back to that in a second. The real issue is, even if it's not true, it doesn't matter. The effect is the same because people are taking the ball and they are running with it. For instance, Cardinal Supich out of America Magazine. He says, Pope Francis's Latin Mass reforms are necessary to secure Vatican II's legacy. Really? Does Vatican II's legacy need securing? Does it need help? Does it need your help? I mean, Vatican's two legacy will stand or fall all on its own. We don't need to help it one way or the other. The, the Council Fathers got together. The documents were what they were. They said what they said. Why do we need to secure its legacy? Does it have to be secured? I'm confused. The article goes on to say this. On July 16th, Pope Francis issued the motto proprio Traditionis Custodis, calling on all Roman Catholics to fully accept that the liturgical books promulgated by Pope uh, St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II are the unique expression of the Lex Orande, the law of praying of the Roman Rite. Why did the Holy Father issue this document? 
And why now, 60 years after these books were published? In the early 1970s, a movement led by Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre across Europe, rejecting the teaching and reforms of the Second Vatican Council. That's actually not a true statement, by the way. That's not what he did. I mean, he was a part of the council itself. He signed those documents. So that's actually not a true statement. Archbishop Lefebvre was later excommunicated by Pope John Paul II as a means of promoting unity and inviting those, those associated with this movement to return to the Catholic Church. Pope John Paul II allowed bishops to provide the limited celebration of the Missal in use prior to Vatican II for those still attached to the earlier liturgy. This article goes on to say, his successor, Pope Benedict XVI, expanded this concession to the motu proprio Samorum pontificum so that any priest could use the earlier liturgical forms without permission of his bishop. The motive of both JP II and Benedict XVI, as Pope Francis observes in Traditionis Custodis, was to facilitate the ecclesial communion of those Catholics who feel attached to some earlier liturgical forms and not to others. Well, let me just say this. Going back to our friend here, Archbishop Arthur Roach out of the Vatican, who claims uh, Pope Paul VI abrogated the TLM, the traditional form of the Mass. Uh, is that true? Well, Benedict XVI actually says no. He actually says it wasn't abrogated when he also made it more uh, accessible for priests around the world to say the traditional form of the Mass. So... As uh, Archbishop Corleone said on Raymond Arroyo's program just last night, this archbishop is in clear contrast to uh, the Pope Emeritus and his comments. Golly Jew is, what is the average layperson supposed to believe? Cardinal uh, Supich here in this article goes on to basically say that the traditional form of the Mass has to go away because we need to be all together in one happy family all under the new form of the Mass to shore up Vatican II. Golly, Jewess, I, I just, on one level, I got to say, I just wish that they would put this much effort, time and energy, into actually addressing the major scandals that are rocking the faith of thousands of Catholics on planet Earth. God, I mean, if, if they put a fraction of the effort they are putting into climate change, I mean, they invite a guy like Jeffrey Sachs to the Vatican, who not only opposes Catholic teaching, he spits in the eye of Catholic teaching. And we're scandalized by that. And yet he gets invited and put on pontifical academies and all the rest. But that's not it. That, it goes beyond that. Do they put a fraction of that same effort? into addressing the serious financial and, and sexual scandals that are rocking our church. I mean, what an opportunity His Holiness Pope Francis had when he met with Joe Biden, the, the foremost pro-abortion Catholic on planet Earth today. What an opportunity he would have had to journey with him, to disciple him, to uh, engage him, to encourage him, to inspire him, to go to confession, to do penance. To make a public confession for his public scandal in embracing abortion, giving taxpayer dollars to the murder of children. What an opportunity. Could you imagine how incredible it would have been to read you that story the next day? That His Holiness Pope Francis, vicar of Christ on earth, embraced and engaged the most pro-abortion Catholic and encouraged him to go to confession and make a worthy communion. 
Wouldn't that have just been mind-blowingly awesome? It did not happen, and the Vatican failed to, to take an opportunity there. They did the same thing with Nancy Pelosi just a few weeks before that, too, by the way. So one scandal after another scandal after another scandal. Is it any, is it any surprise to read this article over at the Pillar that 14% uh, fewer Catholics go to Mass now post-COVID-19. Well, golly gee whiz, bishops, you shut the doors. You turned the TV on and said, watch it on TV. They listened to you, but are they even watching the TV? I doubt it. Highly doubt it. Highly, highly, highly doubt it. Check the numbers. No. Why do I need to go to Mass at all anymore? Golly gee whiz, I, can, I mean, I can commune with God on the golf course. It's a beautiful day. God's, God's creation. Isn't creation the foremost issue of our time? I mean, time is running out. We have to pay attention to the climate, do we not? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. In the second coming, there's going to be some global warming. A lot of global warming in the second coming. The earth, all of materialism gets consumed in fire in the second coming. We must be good stewards, but if we aren't good stewards of souls first, then we can never be good stewards of the environment. It's not one or the other, but there are priorities. And it is a scandal to so many Catholics to have to see all of these major, massive issues, financial, sexual, and all the rest, over and over again. And the effort is put into suppressing the traditional forms of piety and of liturgy. These Catholics want more of the Catholic faith, and we are catering to the world who wants less of the Catholic faith. Why? We need to stop this. If, imagine, in Traditionis Custodis, His Holiness said, you know what, as of today, I'm going to ask every bishop to ensure that at least one TLM is said in every suburban parish. The parking lots would fill up. Imagine that. And so would their coffers. But that's not the move they made, now is it? Where does this leave us? Prayer, fasting, and penance. This is the remedy Our Lady gave us in 1917 at Fatima, and it's still the remedy we must embrace today. Pray for the Pope today. Pray for the bishops. We'll be right back. I have more breaking news and stories coming up next. The 18th century skeptic philosopher David Hume argued the wise man should never believe in miracles because the evidence for what occurs over and over, the regular, always outweighs evidence for what does not, the rare. But is Hume right? Well, no, and here are some reasons why. First, it's not true evidence for uniform experience always outweighs evidence for what is rare. For example, have you experienced any big bangs lately? My guess is no. Does that mean we should reject the Big Bang? Of course not. Second, Hume's principle nullifies science itself. How could scientists ever reasonably use new findings to update their understanding of the universe if it's unreasonable to accept what contradicts our uniform experience? The answer is, they couldn't. So are miracles in and of themselves off limits for the wise, as Hume puts it? Absolutely not. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing unborn children by the millions. Yet how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? 
go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is good to be on with you. And here are your breaking news. LiveSite reports the Virginia Department of Health discovered that 112 children had been subject to adult COVID-19 doses by mistake. Fox News reports the ninth person is now dead from injuries sustained at Astroworld Music Festival. Astroworld victim uh, Barty Shahani has died, according to a family's attorney. Shahani is the ninth victim killed in a reported crowd surge that happened at Travis Scott's Astroworld concert. She passed away on Wednesday. Shahani's parents went to multiple hospitals before locating their daughter that day. Uh, They say, quote, they took us to her room and she was bleeding on a ventilator. Bleeding and on a ventilator. Me and my wife were too shocked. We can't even stand in there, unquote. Her father, Sonny Shahani, said. The 22-year-old, who was set to graduate from Texas A&M University, had been hospitalized after the mass casualty incident, incident and had not shown any brain activity since obtaining injuries at the concert, according to reports. Scott was performing on stage during the surge and has since faced criticism for allowing the show to continue while people were struggling in the crowd. The rapper claims he didn't know the severity of the situation. Authorities have opened a criminal investigation but have not yet assigned any fault. ABC 7 News in New York is reporting a 62-year-old man was hit with a bat, stabbed and slashed on New York City street in gang assault. A 62-year-old man was jumped by a group of at least seven young men in Midtown Manhattan early Wednesday, and the harrowing assault was caught on surveillance camera. It happened on West 44th Street just after 5.30 a.m. Authorities say the victim was walking when one of the youths asked, quote, what are you looking at, unquote, sparking an argument and the eventual attack. The the video shows one of the suspects approach the man from behind and hit him with what appears to be a bat or a large piece of wood. Then, as the man lies on the ground, six additional males approach, stabbing and slashing him multiple times before fleeing on foot. The victim suffered stab and slash wounds to his body, head and nose and was transported by EMS in critical condition to the hospital where he was stabilized. Meanwhile, The Blaze reports Black Lives Matter leader vows riots, fire, and bloodshed in incoming mayor uh, in his efforts to resurrect the anti-crime unit in New York. But uh, Eric Adams fires back. A Black Lives Matter leader is vowing there will be riots, fire, and bloodshed if New York City Mayor-elect Eric Adams resurrects NYPD's controversial anti-crime unit. Another BLM head threatened to make Adams' time as New York mayor a nightmare, unquote. Adams, Adam doubled down on his campaign promise to reactivate NYPD's anti-crime unit, though, during a CNN appearance on Thursday. In June 2020, the New York Police Department disbanded its anti-crime unit. The anti-crime unit was involved in high-profile police shootings, including the deaths of Abadao Diallo, Sean Bell, and Eric Garner. Crime skyrocketed, though, as much as 200% in the weeks following the disbanding of the anti-crime unit. Daily Caller is reporting FBI director told former agents the Bureau will stay in its own lane and won't be attending school board meetings. 
Parents across the country have joined a nationwide movement against what they believe is harmful ideology permeating American public schools. Many parent uh, activists have shown up at school board meetings to air their grievances, which were likened to, quote, the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes, unquote, by the National School Boards Association September the 29th letter to President Joe Biden's administration. FBI Director Christopher Wray made it clear that the FBI agents would, quote, not be attending school board meetings and the bureau would stay in its own lane, unquote, during remarks at an October national conference for former agents. An attendee told the Daily Caller. Uh, Other FBI agents see the memo as a political attempt to chill parents' speech at school board meetings regarding controversial policies such as critical race theory, gender ideology, mask requirements, vaccine mandates, and distance learning. And those are your headline news. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Joining us right now via uh, in-studio appearance, which is very rare for Catholic Drive Time. Pull that mic nice and close to you, uh, Brent. Brent Haynes, he's an attorney. He's a Catholic public speaker, uh, speaks often on religious liberty issues. He's also a, a political analyst, and uh, we're grateful to have you back in the in the studio. Brent, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Kyle Rittenhouse is, and it's not, it's, this is just one of kind of, a few really big trials going on in America right now, but the, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial being live streamed, uh, it is, uh, it, it's been a very intense week with this particular trial. We've seen things that most of us uh, lay knuckle draggers don't normally see when it comes to trials. You know, the judges berating prosecutors, things like that. Uh, the defendant taking the stand. I, I, I didn't go to law school. I did stay at a Holiday Inn once, but I was under the impression, according to Law and Order on television, you don't ever put your defendant on on the stand, right? That, like that's a rule. Why did he do that? Well, and Law and Order, of course, is the standard for legal knowledge in the United States. <laughs> Why go to every, law school? Just because watch, everybody has seen it. Seasons. That's right. That's yeah. right. I, I wasted three years of my life going to law school. <laughs> I could have just watched more Law and Order. That's what I'm saying. Um, it is unusual for defendants, especially in murder cases, to take the stand. And as you know, as one commentator said, this is the m- most concise way to explain it. Uh, the defendant could say maybe just one thing that's wrong, and the jury focuses on that despite all the other evidence. It's risky. It's very risky. Um, and the, uh, the defendant is always going to be examined by an experienced prosecutor. They don't let brand-new prosecutors try murder cases. So... You have an expert asking questions, someone who is trained and someone who's been doing it for years, asking a defendant who is usually not an expert in communication. And we saw that here with with Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, It was unusual for him to take the stand, not just because it's unusual in general for murder defendants, but also because in this case, uh, the general consensus was, and most Americans could see this for themselves, by looking at all the videotape evidence that's available to all of us. Uh, it was unusual in this case because Kyle Rittenhouse's defense seemed to be going so well. And putting him on the stand seemed to add an unnecessary risk. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point, probably these defense lawyers will hold a press conference or write a book or go on interviews, and they'll explain, you know, why they put him on the witness stand, but one reasonable inference is that they wanted to humanize their client um, so that he wouldn't just be sitting there as this, you know, young person who'd gone around parading around Mm. with a gun and assault rifle underage and ended up shooting and killing three people. 
maybe they wanted to humanize him in front of the jury. Well, uh, uh, Grosskreutz, he testified before Kyle went on the stand. And under examination, he actually said Kyle had not threatened him. Uh, It was he had pointed his gun and threatened to kill him when Kyle raised his weapon and shot him. And and that and that I think gets the defendant's another, attorney actually called for a, uh, a directed verdict right after that. Well, and and that really gets to one of the problems with this case. Look, there are several charges against Kyle Rittenhouse. The charge uh, a, involving Grosskreutz is just uh, it's a it's a legal abomination. I mean, this is a violation of ethics. These prosecutors should be sanctioned at the very least, and the elected district attorney for Kenosha County is responsible for this. Mm. If someone points a firearm at you and then you shoot them, that is self-defense. The person who points a firearm at you in most jurisdictions is going to be charged with a felony. In some jurisdictions, it's going to be assault with a deadly weapon. They don't necessarily have to discharge the weapon. They don't have to shoot you or shoot at you. Just pointing the gun at you Mm. in a menacing manner especially in the context of what Grosskreutz did, that itself was a crime. It was Grosskreutz who should have been charged. But instead, the prosecutors actually invoked the legal machinery of the criminal justice system of Wisconsin Mm -hmm. to put Kyle Rittenhouse on trial for that charge. That's simply unethical. Now, the other other charge with the, the second man who was killed... He had attacked, he had attacked Rittenhouse and hit him with the skateboard yeah. in the head or the neck. And we've all seen the video. There's the other man there almost simultaneously who's been described as, you know, jump kick man. Yeah. You can see the pictures of him, uh, kicking or attempting to kick Kyle Rittenhouse in the face and head. Mm. You know, that's clearly a self-defense situation. If the prosecutors wanted to bring charges that, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, shot the man with the skateboard and the, man, and the skateboard is not a deadly weapon. You know, you can argue, you can argue that it was at least plausible to bring those charges and to let a jury decide. But in the case of Grosskreutz, you know, they had the video. They knew what happened. They knew that Grosskreutz was the one who pointed his weapon yeah. at Kyle Rittenhouse first. Mm. So that Grosskreutz charge really shows you yeah. how off the track these prosecutors are, it, 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 just not just professionally, but ethically. So the the, uh, the defense attorneys called for a directed verdict right after that, because yes. it was, and, and the, the look on the one of the prosecutors, the, the, face, the, slap, the, the, face, palm, the yeah. face palms, face you know, palm. his head is down and he just looks, I, I, who knows what he was actually thinking. He could have been thinking about, oh, I got to pay my, uh, my gas bill or something. I mean, who knows? And that's, but it looked really bad from an optics standpoint. And then the defense attorneys, Attorneys call for a directed verdict. Tell us what's a directed verdict and why didn't the judge grant that? A directed verdict is where the judge tells the jury how to decide the issue. He so directs it them. It doesn't go to jury at that point. It goes to the jury, but the judge tells them you have to find it this way. This is how it's going to go You're going to go back there and <laughs> you're going to check this box. So why didn't, he, why didn't he grant that? Well, probably for the same reason he won't grant the mistrial with prejudice okay um judges in general like to have issues decided by jury all right hold that thought that music means we're going to go to a short break we're going to come right back attorney brent haynes and catholic public speaker is going to be on with us to continue talking about the kyle rittenhouse trial so don't go anywhere do us a favor share us with a friend in the meantime and uh a lot more to discuss about this fiery trial all of that coming up next don't go anywhere
This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that we should stop opposing things like abortion and homosexual unions because there's simply nothing we can do about it? You can't prevent that stuff. It's inevitable. So just accept it. Well, G.K. Chesterton says the other word for inevitability is impenitence. We have let ourselves be dominated by the notion that there's no turning back. This idea is rooted in materialism and the denial of free will. Now, this modern refusal to undo what has been done is not only an intellectual fault, it is a moral fault also. It is not merely our mental inability to understand the mistake we have made, it's also our spiritual refusal to admit that we have made a mistake. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Surely, if you're thinking about the reality, the horror, and the enormity of abortion, you have to be moved to do something. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, Attorney... Brent Haynes is our guest. He is uh, a political analyst. He's a Catholic speaker, speaking a lot on pro-life issues, but also on religious liberty issues. He and I have had many conversations about those uh, subjects on uh, on the radio before, but it's good to have you back on the program, uh, Brent. Um, before the break, you were talking about, uh, we were a- I was asking about the directed verdict and why the judge would not have granted the directed verdict. I mean, they've since asked for a mistrial, but the directed verdict came out first, like right away. I mean, and commentators are going ballistic watching the, t- the live video feed for that. So you were saying before the break. There are different ways a judge can uh, decide a case without it going to the jury. And one way is simply, for example, to declare a mistrial in Wisconsin. What the defendants asked for was a mistrial with prejudice. And what that means is the judge declares this trial is over. It's not going to continue. And with prejudice, this is the key part, it means the state cannot try that defendant again on those charges. That's why the prejudice part is very important. A uh, judge could also do what's called a directed verdict and tell the jury, uh, a court, and there will be, of course, legal language that would go into this, but he essentially tells the jury that that uh, they have to decide the case a certain way. Now, there are multiple charges in this case, so even if there is a directed verdict on one uh, one of the criminal charges, oh, it doesn't mean there's a directed verdict on all it of them. It wouldn't have ended the, the deal. Correct. Completely. But the bigger point is that judges generally don't like to take cases away from juries. Mm. Um, there are, you know, the, the, there's several good reasons for this. From the judge's point of view, um, if the jury goes back and decides the case in this situation, for example, if the jury goes back and decides in Kyle Rittenhouse's favor anyway, then it's all over. The jury, as the voice of the community, has represented the community. They have spoken. The case is done. But... If he make if the judge makes certain legal rulings and prevents the jury from hearing the case, then possibly he gets overturned on appeal. Mm. Maybe and and it could depend, of course, on the specifics of Wisconsin law and what constitutes prejudice and what doesn't. But in general, 
judges like to have juries decide issues. Now, another point is the judge can always set aside the verdict after it comes back. That you know that that can happen, and, and sometimes judges do that. Sometimes they send it to the jury. Yeah. They hope the jury gets what they think is the Does right. Does that decision. mean like if they come back and they and they say uh, and they give something that the judge thinks is outrageous, he can just say, "Hey, we're not sorry. I'm overturning that." Essentially, yes. So, can we get into some of the uh, shenanigans that were going down between the prosecutor and the judge? I mean, um, as you said at the beginning of our conversation, you, you know, when it comes to prosecutors, you don't give this to rookies. These are seasoned veterans, right? This is a look. This prosecutor, uh, the lead prosecutor here, is a very good lawyer. I've watched. I've watched. I haven't watched all eight days. I have to work for a living, but I have watched <laughs> enough. Some of it live, and some of it, you know, on the replay. This prosecutor is a very good prosecutor. He knows what he is doing, and that is why the uh, errors he has made mm. are not by accident. They're not innocent. They're not negligence. As the defense lawyer said at one point, he's an experienced lawyer, and the defense lawyer said he knows better. Uh, the judge has gotten a lot of a lot of uh, attention and even criticism, and he he sounds like he's a so pretty. What were the shenanigans that the prosecutor well, was trying? There are two. There are two two important ones we could just we could discuss briefly. Yeah. One is on the prosecution wanted to bring up certain evidence and ask Kyle Rittenhouse about it. Mm-hmm. Now, in almost every trial, there's evidence that each side doesn't want the other side to be able to use. And sometimes this evidence is so inflammatory or prejudicial that the lawyer for one side, in this case, Kyle Rittenhouse's lawyers, they don't even want that issue mentioned in front of the jury. Right. And this is called a motion in limine in most Because once they hear, how can they unhear? That's exactly the, yeah. That's exactly the rationale. Once they hear it. They, they, they can't unhear it, even though judges will frequently give instructions. You're supposed to disregard that. You know it's really there in their heads. Yeah. So uh, lawyers will file what's called a motion in limine, and it might have another name in a jurisdiction. It might have a different name in Wisconsin. But the idea is it's a motion to limit mm-hmm. the evidence until the trial proceeds. And when it, the trial reaches an appropriate point where one lawyer wants to use evidence that is subject to this limitation mm-hmm. – they're not supposed to do that in front of the jury until they ask the judge. Hmm. And they ask the judge outside the presence of the jury. And at that point, they look at all the evidence that has come in. You'll hear a phrase, and it, it happened in this case too, uh, opening the door. So the prosecution wanted to bring in evidence that Kyle Rittenhouse had previously said that he wished he had his gun to stop some looters. Mm-hmm. The prosecutors wanted to do that. Uh, because he wanted to show that that was Kyle Rittenhouse's mindset, that, you know, mm-hmm. he was up there willing to use deadly force to, to, uh, protect property. And that's obviously a sensitive issue. You know, well, it, let's just say he was previously willing to use deadly force. But does that mean that's a, that, that factor is a factor in the events of that night? Well, the prosecution will want to show that that's his mindset. And the defense obviously doesn't want to have to address that argument. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have trained professionals on each side going to the judge and making legal legal arguments as to why it should or should not come in. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened in the Rittenhouse trial and the reason the judge got furious and for very good reason. Mm -hmm. And I watched this part of I watched this twice. Uh, because the prosecutors, just the prosecutors, not only his actions, but his attitudes seemed seem to me disrespectful or, or, or rather nonchalant. What happened was 
the prosecutor got to that part of his exam, cross-examination of Kyle Rittenhouse, mm-hmm. and he started to go into that evidence, and he had not asked the judge for permission. And that's why the judge sent the jury out of the courtroom and then yelled at the prosecutor mm. because the, the prosecutor violated or essentially violated what he knew was a court order. And this is a standard procedure in virtually every trial in the United States. Every lawyer who's been in a courtroom and tried even one case or taken even basic training uh, in how to it, how to conduct trials knows that you do not do this, and so there's good reason the judge was mad at him, mm. and that's just on that one issue. Now on the other issue, it's much more serious because it gets into a constitutional right. Everybody in America, because we watch Law and Order, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. Everybody in America knows that criminal defendants have what the right to remain silent. Mm-hmm. And what happened is the Rittenhouse prosecutor again. When he's cross-examining, when he's cross-examining Kyle Rittenhouse, he's he was making the point. Well, you're telling your story now, but you've listened to all these witnesses here, and you've done this, and you've done that, and you've read the internet. And what he was, what he was getting at is, uh, he was trying, to, as he told the judge, he's trying to show. Well, the the defendant has been able to sit here this entire time, and for the last year, read everything watch everything, and then sit through this trial, and now he can tailor his testimony to fit what he thinks he needs to say to be acquitted. That's the prosecutor's idea. The only problem with that is it implicates the defendant's right to remain silent after right. arrest. Yeah. Because that would apply to every single defendant in the United States. Irregardless. It, re- yeah, regardless. It doesn't matter whether it's Kyle Rittenhouse or anybody else. Um, it's, it's a slightly subtle point because the, the defense, the, the prosecutor was being a little tricky. You know, he was sort of mm. going, he was sort of going at it, uh, from a different direction. But when he was saying that about Kyle Rittenhouse, what he was implying was, uh, you didn't talk about the case until now. Prosecutors are absolutely forbidden mm. to go anywhere near a defendant's invocation of his right to remain silent. And the judge, again, Although perhaps he shouldn't have raised his voice as much. Perhaps he shouldn't raise his voice as frequently as he does. Well, it depends the, on your perspective. Right, right exactly. Maybe, maybe he should have done it more. <laughs> the judge was absolutely right to, to admonish that, that prosecutor. Mm. Uh, he is an experienced prosecutor. Yeah. As the defense right. said, he knows better. Mm. And, he, you know, at a minimum, that prosecutor should be sanctioned. You know, wow. you combine that with the fact that they, they brought the murder charge regarding Grosskreutz, even though Grosskreutz was the one who first pointed his weapon at Kyle right. Rittenhouse. Right. Adrian? We have uh, about two minutes left in the conversation, and I just want to go through real quick, shifting points just slightly. The In regards to the, the prosecutor, we've heard tons of people come out saying a lot of different things about this prosecutor, saying, oh, he's incompetent, he's a horrible lawyer, or two, oh, maybe he's actually on Rittenhouse's side, he's trying to try to get uh, make the get the trial thrown out, that's why he's doing such a horrible job, um, and in reality, why does it seem to people watching that he's doing a horrible job, and what's actually going on with the, with the prosecutor there? Well, uh, and if anybody out there thinks he's doing a horrible job, it's because he's doing things he shouldn't be doing. But yeah. he is not—he's not a bad attorney. If you watch his cross, his full cross examination, full cross examination of Kyle Rittenhouse, he's making very good points, and he did some damage. Um, he was able to take advantage. We talked at the beginning of this segment about how uh, a defendant is not trained in communication usually. Mm. Lawyers are. This lawyer is very good, and he got several admissions from Rittenhouse. The try to chip away at his, so, his credibility. But the, 
it's not an issue of him not being an experienced lawyer. But do he you knows think exactly. he's trying to throw the trial so that he can reset and try again? Better that next is what time? the defense. That's what the defense claimed. Um, it. I. I wouldn't look. We don't know what's really in his mind. Right. But if you just think about it from his perspective, mm-hmm. if he thinks he's going to lose the case anyway. Mm-hmm. Then there's nowhere to go but up. If he tries to get the evidence in, it slips past the judge. There's no objection. The jury hears it. Maybe they vote his way. Or if the judge declares a mistrial, maybe he gets to try the defendant again. But if the judge declares a directed verdict, then he's in trouble here. Well, if the judge declares a directed verdict or if the jury goes against him, it's all over. It's, and, but not only that, but he has to live with this reputation now as a prosecutor, yes. doesn't he? Yes. Isn't that one of the biggest impacts on his on his uh, personal, uh, his person is, is going to be that every commentator is going to be bashing him now as the guy who lost the Rittenhouse trial because he tried to do things he wasn't supposed to be doing. Well, as you know, in America, we have an attention span of about 30 seconds. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Yes. <laughs> you're uh, you're going to have to hold that thought. We're out of time. But you tell you what, though, if you have time and you can hang out, you're welcome to uh, stay around. And uh, in the after show, which is the second half of the next hour, Maybe we can continue to talk about this. This would be kind of interesting. Uh, But uh, that's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Thank you all for hanging out with us today. If you can't hang out with us in the next hour, let me uh, wish you a a fantastic weekend. Praise be to God. Hopefully you'll have great weather, blue skies, sunshine, low humidity. Wouldn't that be nice? And uh, we'll see you back here on Monday. I'll be live in Baltimore on Monday. Adrian will be in the studio. And uh, we have a special guest, Joshua Phillips from Epic Times. He's going to be on to talk about the border crisis on Monday. So stick around for that, but uh, I'll be live reporting for you. So if you can, hang out with us on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. God bless you. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you in the next hour. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Don, why do Catholics confess their sins to a priest rather than going directly to God? Because that's the way God set things up for us to receive His forgiveness. In James 5.16, God, through sacred scripture, commands us to confess our sins to one another. Scripture does not say confess your sins straight to God and only to God. It says confess your sins to one another. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus tells us that He was given authority on earth to forgive sins. And then scripture proceeds to tell us in verse 8 that this authority was given to men, plural. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. How did the Father send Jesus? Well, we just saw in Matthew 9 that the Father sent Jesus with the authority on earth to forgive sins. Now Jesus sends out his disciples as the Father has sent him. So what authority must Jesus be sending his disciples out with? The authority on earth to forgive sins. And listen to the next two verses. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why would Jesus give the apostles the power to forgive or retain sins if he wasn't expecting folks to confess their sins to them? That's crazy. And how could they forgive or retain sins if no one was confessing their sins to them? 
The Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. It also tells us that God gave men the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus sends out his disciples with the authority on earth to forgive sins. When Catholics confess our sins to a priest, we are simply following the plan laid down by Jesus Christ. He forgives sins through the priest. It is God's power, but he exercises that power through the ministry of the priest. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We thought we were killing the babies, but we have in fact killed our conscience. We have in fact killed our rights. We have in fact killed our nation. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Uh, we just wrapped up a great conversation with Brent Haynes. He's an attorney. He is uh, a political analyst and a Catholic public speaker, often speaking on on uh, religious liberty, pro-life issues. And he may hang out with us in the after show to continue our conversation about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. So some unique in- insight and conversating about that. Uh, so maybe stick around. You, you might be able to participate. Uh, but in this hour, praise be to Jesus, we are going to have a good time today. I have a good news uh, piece of news for you coming up. And I'm choosing heartwarming stories right now. There's lots of good news to choose from, but uh, I like the heartwarming stories. I think they're fantastic. So we need more of that in our life to balance the crazy that's going on. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to have uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll play our game Fear and Trembling. And today is the day when we pull the name out of the coffee cup of Divine Providence and we will announce that live on the radio, and some lucky Catholic Drive Time listener gets to win prizes. Praise be to God. So that's coming up in this hour. And then, of course, we do our after show, all on uh, the live video feed, which you can hang out with us if you wish, right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. However, comma, I have added today LinkedIn, and I'm actually looking at it right now. So uh, we are live vid- uh, streaming on LinkedIn today. Did you know you could do that? That's a thing now. And if you go to my personal profile, Joe McLean on LinkedIn, you will be able to watch the live video feed there. So if you're a LinkedIn user, well, you're welcome. Praise be to God. Uh, speaking of being welcome, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Is it? Amen. It is. In spite of it all. Praise be to God. Despite of it all, it is still good to be here. <laughs> it's still good to be here. Praise be to Jesus. No, absolutely. Uh, we're going to have a good hour this hour. That was a very interesting conversation about the Rittenhouse trial, I think. Oh, yeah. Very much so. I think uh, my my roommate, Josh, is uh, has been following like 
religiously the the Kyle Rittenhouse case, and it's kind of funny. He's like every couple minutes he's sending his message. Did you see what happened? Oh my goodness! Oh my oh! It's like he's doing play by play for us, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, dude, if you it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't know anything was going on with the Rittenhouse case. To be honest, it was like uh, it's as if they were watching a football game or something. Yeah, honestly, (laughs) it's pretty funny. Uh, But yeah, I mean, this is going to be an important case. There's a lot of legal cases going on right now that are just going to be like are going to be important for American history, assuming we last long enough for that uh <laughs> <laughs> despite of that and it's still good to be here. you know it uh, when i was younger when i was younger oj simpson trial was massive i mean the whole world stopped to watch that and uh but we didn't have like the live uh commentary on top of the trial footage you'd only see the trial footage and that was very new in those days so the, now it's like it's common in fact that was one of the points that i kept uh, coming back to was watching this judge who was getting angry with the prosecutor but then would stop himself try to compose himself because i have to believe he remembered oh i'm on tv <laughs> i need to i need to be a somewhat careful here about how i do this awkward yeah awkward so Don't i you guess, hate whenever there's cameras on you all the time uh, um you wish. awkward i'm in a room full of them. at any rate <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, all right. Praise be to God. We are going to have a good hour this hour. Uh, ver- looking forward to giving out prizes. That's always fun, right, Adrian? Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, praise Jesus. Now David's coming in today. Yes, David will be in shortly. So I sent an email out yesterday to the CDT insiders, and I kind of gave you a little bit of an introduction to our new permanent third member of the CDT team. Uh, he's going to be joining us on Monday, the twenty second. That'll be his first day, and he will uh, he'll be joining us via live video stream, and uh, we'll have a secure audio connection with him uh, from Los Angeles. He's going to move to uh, Houston in early January with his family. So we're looking forward to that. Praise be to God. If you don't, if you're not on this email list, let me encourage you jump on the email list. I always send um, really cool content to that list every week. I try to find something new and interesting every week to send to that list. So uh, make sure to get on that. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. All right, praise be to God. We're going to jump into the hour. I have, as I said, a good piece of news to share with you, a heartwarming story to to share with you share with you today. But we're going to pray for the conversion of souls everywhere. We're going to pray for the repose of those souls that are going to face eternity today around the world And we're going to ask uh, for a greater fidelity to Holy Mother Church, to her teaching, to her patrimony, to save souls, uh, especially among the hierarchy, but even in my home and your home too. All right? And whatever your needs are and intentions, dear listener, let's include those as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your good news story. We always like to give you a good piece of news in the second hour. We cover all the harder stuff in the first hour, so join us then if you want that. But uh, right now, there's a story over on the Epic Times. It says, faith-based dad forgives DUI suspect who caused crash that killed 11-year-old daughter. Story goes like this. A Phoenix dad whose daughter was struck by a car and killed last month says he forgives the suspect who was charged with manslaughter following her death. He is now behind bars, according to the police. The family of Daniel Marin, around 1 p.m. on September the 3rd, 
were walking on the sidewalk after dining out when the suspect driving a silver sedan northbound on 43rd Ave suddenly changed lanes, striking a gold-colored sedan, which then veered off the road, striking five people. After the collision, 11-year-old Alyssa Marin was pronounced dead, while Daniel's wife, sons, and niece were seriously injured and transported to local hospital. Daniel was at work at the time. Both the suspect and the driver of the gold sedan were unharmed. The suspect, Fernando de la Garza, 51 years old, was allegedly driving under the influence, showing signs of impairment at the time of the collision. Police, according to police reports, a urine sample showed traces of meth, oxy, PCP, and opiates, according to Fox News. De la Garza faced several charges, including class two felony for manslaughter, uh, two class two felonies for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, two class three felonies for aggravated assault, and felony for endangerment, a person in the court said. The article goes on to say, now Daniel and his family are grieving Alyssa's loss, but the dad says his role is to stay strong for loved ones who need him in the midst of tragedy. Quote, it's just still unreal. I'm holding, I'm holding it. I have to, unquote, he told the station days after the incident, quote, I have two boys that I have to make sure it's going to be all right. And my wife, she lost her, her baby girl, like I did. They need me, so I have to, unquote. Of his daughter, Alyssa, he said she was happy, loved to dance, loved God. But despite his loss, the father says he forgives De La Garza. He says, quote, I know I'm supposed to be angry, but I'm faith-based. I forgive the guy, he said. He goes on to say, that's what my daughter would want me to do. Wow, praise be to God. If someone you love were lost in such a tragic way, could you forgive? Hmm, something to ponder and meditate upon today. As the Lord tells us, if we can't forgive, we can't be forgiven. And that's your good news for today. The saint of the day is Saint Jehoshaphat, born in 1580. St. Jehoshaphat was born in Lithuania into a Catholic family and early promoted the Catholic unity in a country divided between the Orthodox and the Catholics. He entered the Byzantine monastery of the Holy Trinity in Vilna in 1604 and was elected Catholic Archbishop of Polost in 1614. While clinging firmly to the unity with Rome, he firmly opposed those Latins who saw unity only in Latin terms and would suppress Byzantine traditions in the name of Catholic unity. He firmly opposed the Latinization of the people and made enemies and severe critics among the Latin clergy of Poland. The Byzantine Orthodox and the Catholics were against him, as well as the king of Poland who eventually turned on him. The, the people, the Byzantine people, their threats were so public that Jehoshaphat preached on the gospel verse, John 16, 2, Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that by doing so, they are offering worship to God. He told the people, you people want to kill me. You wait in ambush for me in the streets, on the bridges, on the highways, in the marketplaces, everywhere. Here I am. I came to you as a shepherd. You know I'd be happy to give my life for you. I am ready to die for union of the church under St. Peter and his successor, the Pope. On November 12th, Jehoshaphat came out in the courtyard to see the mob beating and trampling his friends and servants. He cried out, my children, what are you doing with my servants? If you have anything against me, here I am, but leave them alone. With shouts of kill the papist, Jehoshaphat was hit with a stick, then an axe, and finally shot through the head. 
His bloody body was dragged to the river and thrown in, along with the body of a dog who tried to protect him. The Jews were the only ones to publicly accuse the killers and mourn the death of Jehoshaphat, while the Catholics of the city hid in fear of their lives. Some of the Jewish people risked their own lives to rush into the courtyard and rescue Jehoshaphat's friends and servants from the bloodthirsty mobs. He died on November 12, 1623 and was canonized by Pope Pius IX in 1867. St. Jehoshaphat, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. I do not pray for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to behold my glory which you have given me in your love for me, before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said, We must particularly observe here that our Lord did not say that we, that we may all be one, but that they may all be one. As thou, Father, in me, and I in thee are one. Wherefore, he adds, in us to show that our being made one by charity is to be attributed to the grace of God, not to ourselves. Trust me. I don't think we can accomplish this outside of the grace of God at all, in any way, shape, or form. St. Augustine goes on to say, Or that in ourselves we cannot be one severed from each other by diverse pleasures and lusts and the pollution of sin, from which we must be cleansed by a mediator in order to be one in him. We must live in a state of grace to have that unity. I think it's a profound point. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, a lot of things to cover for this one, but I'm only going to limit myself to mentioning one thing and then talking about another for a second. One thing is unity in regards to the church and the, the Eastern church and the Western church. Our Lord desires that we be one, especially the East and the West, breathing with the two lungs of the church. God desires this unity. So that's something that we should explore in depth in a future date. Uh, the second thing, which is with the focus that Cornelius Alapide had here, is on the unity between God, uh, between Christ and the Father. Who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Now, he's, so he refers back to the Arian heretics and a lot of the early Christological heresies saying, hey, who is Jesus? Jesus is in unity, perfect unity with the Father. And so this a topic of how is this man, this guy who seems to be man, how is it that he is claiming that he and the Father are one? Not just one in the sense of, of one mind. Not just one in the sense of we are, we love each other and we are one. But for the sake, uh, for, but the very fact that they are both part of the Godhead. They are not, and saying the word part of is actually not even articulating it quite right. But to say this, 
is say that this is a radical love that our Lord has for us that he desires that we be one with him. And we can only do that. We can't be one with him just by agreeing with him and having the same doctrine. We can only be one with him through the blessed sacrament, through reception of the Holy Communion. We can be made one with him in a way that is uh, imitating that way in which the Father and the Son who are of the Godhead are with one another. And I think that's the uh, one of the important points to take away from today. Only one. Praise be to God. It's yeah, a good I got one. 40 other. It's, it's a good one. Uh, all right. Praise be to Jesus. We're going to play our game show. Today's the day we pull the prize. So we have three last opportunities to get in on the drawing before we do that. Your chance is right now. The phone lines are open, so you can call and be our contestant to play our game. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. 877-757-9424. Call right now. The Fear and Trembling Trivia Game Show is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. All right? So, I will only tell you if you promise never to tell another person, okay? 
You keep this between us and I'll tell you the goods. But here is the deal. There are a few things we like to do secretly. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions and you just might learn something you did not know before about the Catholic faith. Praise be to God for that. We also like to have fun. We like to laugh. And our contestants, they're always just so much fun. They are good sports. They laugh with us. And uh, we really enjoy that part. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're just joining us, if you're new here, let me explain things. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. uh, But here's the kicker. I do not ask the caller the question. So it is possible that the caller doesn't know a single correct answer. And they could still win our game. And the reason why is because instead of asking them, I'm going to ask David and I'm going to ask Adrian. And one of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. So that is how the game is played. Good morning to you, David. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Adrian. Good morning to everybody out there. I had a busy morning. You did? Yeah. I went to uh, That Man Is You this morning. Oh, cool. Praise be to God. That Man Is You. Uh, now, uh, today's the day we pull the winner out. So you, are you ready? You got everybody's name in the cup, and is, you're going to... Is there a procedure on that? A, yeah. You uh, got to make formal it and... as dramatic and as possible is the, is the procedure. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, so I did not know that. Okay. rolls are involved. I mean, all of it. It's going to be incredible. All right. So here's the deal. The prize this week is generously given to us by HouseOfJapa.com. Uh, Tabitha Kidman and her family generously gave us a... San Damiano Wall Cross worth $54 today to give out to one of you. So a name will be drawn and this cross will be given out today thanks to this incredible uh, company, House of Joppa, houseofjoppa.com. They do decor, jewelry, art, rosaries, Catholic gifts, and so much more. Houseofjoppa.com. You can find them on Instagram, and I think you might be able to find them on Etsy as well. But houseofjoppa.com, thank you for your generous sponsorship of our game today. Praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Maximo, praise be to Jesus. Yes, sir. How are you, sir? Blessed and highly favored. <laughs> I like that response. That's good. <laughs> praise be to God. Now, where are you calling from? Houston, Texas. What? I, I, I didn't see that coming. I thought there was a rule that said you had to be from either San Antonio or Dallas, but apparently that's no, not no, the case. They're always calling, but we're here, too. <laughs> H- That's right. H-, H down, hold it down. Isn't that how they say H down, hold it down, something like that? Turn around, don't drown. <laughs> Turn around, don't drown. All right. Uh, Maximo, where do, you go to, uh, where do you go to church? I go to the center. It's a charismatic center on, on, on Polk. I used know it very to, well. I used to yep. hold. Uh, I used to be a part of the men's conferences that were held down there back in the day uh, wow. under Father Michael Sherry. So uh, I'm very familiar yeah. with the place. Yeah, yeah, praise be to God. I got married by Father Michael Sherry. Is that right? Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, all right, Maximo. Do you know the how the game is played? Do you know the rules? Yes, I do. So you know how tricky Adrian is. David, he's a bit of yeah. a mystery still. I think. But I, however, yeah, but am a- on your side here, Maximo. I am here to represent you and to, and to uh, get you into this cup. Are you ready to play, sir? Yes, I am, sir. All right, here we go. David, we will start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? I think so. Are you sure? Not really, but let's do it. Let's go for it. Are you sure? Yes, let's go for it. <laughs> let's go for it. I'm ready. Okay, so, uh, David, can you tell me? I, 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 there's a typo in this, but I'm going to say, who was the first... Condemned to death. Who were the first to be condemned to death? Okay, so, uh, Joe, I know this one. So, the key word is first. 
Okay. And uh, and, and I'm going to go with Fallen Angels. What? I'm, we're you, saying first. Uh, very, mm, very first. I see what you nuance here. Nuance. Right, right. All right, okay. Angels. Mm, fallen, fallen Angels. angels. Yes. All right, let's just see what uh, double major Adrian Fonseca has to say. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me who were the first condemned to death? The first condemned to death, uh, that would be Adam and Eve. They said after you eat, you will surely mm. die. Ooh, this is tricky. Yikes. Yikes. All right, Maximo, here is the deal. This has got to be the trickiest question out of all three, I think. But uh, Adrian seems to think it was Adam and Eve, whereas David said the key is the first, and that was the fallen angels. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Maximo, what say you? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Are you sure? Ouch! Oh, Adrian, see what you've done! Wow, Maximo, I'm I'm sorry, my friend, but uh, Adrian threw a curveball low and right, and you swung, and I'm sorry. It's I'm seeing the ball. It's going. It's going. Where are the uh, Where are the rally nuns when you need them? (laughs) I'm just I'm just anyway. uh, Don't worry, Maximo. We're gonna get you in this cup because I the next two questions super easy. Uh, I think we can get this done. Let's go with question number two. David, uh, you got the right answer on the first one. Fallen Angels was, in fact, because they were created before Adam and Eve. They they were the first, uh, first Lucifer and his ilk or the first to rebel. That's true. But this next question is, who made us? Who made... You're asking me? I'm asking you. Yeah, who made us? Okay, who made us? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so uh, Joe, uh, Adrian, I'm an engineer. You are. And uh, I'm going to go with science. But aren't you a mechanical engineer? I am mechanical, so that's even okay. better. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So, so your, your answer is science? You know, science. I uh, That's my background. Trust the science. Trust the science. I believe in science. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that uh, okay. that's my answer. Final yeah, answer. Final answer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adrian, can you tell me... Who made us? Huh. Who made us? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty simple question. Well. Who made us? I believe in science. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm well, going to say hey, God what, made us. What is that? God made us. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm, okay. So you're saying God made us. Don't trust the science. God made us. <laughs> so the question is, who made us? And Adrian's answer is God, whereas David's answer is science. 15 seconds on the clock, Maximo. <laughs> what say you? Back. Say that again? Adrian. Adrian's got my back. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See, I am on your side. There you go. <laughs> you get two for that one. There you go. You get two dings. Uh, David, is science a who? I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> Today it was not anymore. And the god of science being put up in the uh, in the French cathedrals. I guess, I guess. All right, very well done, Maximo. Uh, you you are in the cup, sir. It might you might be God's will that you should win today, but let's see. We can't double your impact, double your chances right now uh, with this third question. Here we go. Back to David. Uh, actually. Did I ask? I asked David the first two questions I, first. I know that's. I, you I'm threw gonna, me a curveball. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I am going to ask Adrian first this time. What? Yes. Okay. Adrian, can you tell me <laughs> what material is the veil that covers the chalice at the beginning of Mass made of? That would be silk. Silk. Yes, sir. Silk. The fine. Is it like the finest of silk? 
Well, I beautiful mean, silk. Ideally, we like silk. It. Silk is nice. Could afford it. It's very fancy. All right, uh, David, can you tell me what material is the veil that covers the chalice at the beginning of Holy Mass made of? Okay, so uh, I just I just found this out, and uh, wow. there's this new material they just found in Africa. They, really? They just found it. Uh, I'm going to go with dry fit. Dry wow. fit? Yeah, because, you know, the church is, you know, just moving and in, in, in advancing and using the latest technology. And so they just found this? They just found this it. This is what Amazing. they've been using in Africa to cover the chalice. They just found it. Okay. And uh, okay. now we're wearing it, and it's Dry very, fit. Yeah, you know, the you don't sweat. <clears throat> okay. You know, and it comes yeah. off. Does and, that uh, come in like 7X? Because I might need some. Yeah, yeah just, I think okay. so. All right, uh, <laughs> Maximo, here's the deal. Uh, David seems to think it's called dry fit, straight out of Africa, whereas Adrian seems to think it's silk, traditionally from China, by the way. Uh, but 15 seconds on the clock, who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? Adrian, again. Ouch. Uh, survey says... Excellent, excellent. It's awkward having to admit publicly that, uh, I he imagine. Said, I like I like the particular, like, the fact that he said, again. Uh, <laughs> That, that was ideal. Yeah. All right, Maxwell, congratulations. You are in the cup two times. Praise be to God. It may or it may not be God's holy will that you should win today. But right now, uh, Brother David, is uh, he is taking the names, putting them in there. He's mix it up vigorously, though, by the way. Uh, let's make it as uh, – let's, let's give God's holy divine providence an opportunity uh, as much as possible here to randomly choose. Right? We need to help God in his providence, I guess, is what I'm saying. Awkward. Awkward. You said it awkwardly. I, I don't know what you said. You said it, not me. All I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Not good. All right. You have a name? Uh, yes. That's not confident. Do you have a name? I do. Susan. Oh, Susan. Susan. Maximo, I'm so sorry. It was not God's holy will for you today, but you were still, nonetheless, a lot of fun. Thank you, my friend, for calling in today. Thank you. I am a winner. I got to speak to y'all. Praise oh, God. God. From your lips to God's ears. There <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, amen. God love you, Praise Maxwell. Have a life. great weekend to you. Praise be to Jesus. And uh, call back uh, maybe in a, a couple weeks and play again. That'd be a lot of fun. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show this day and this week. Praise be to Jesus. Thank you all for hanging out with us. If you can hang out with us in the after show, I'd love to have you. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a lot more casual, uh, generally speaking, about our conversation. And you, my dear audience, get to generally uh, drive that conversation in the direction that you wish. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, but Brent Haynes is still with us, so we're going to, I think, pick up back upon our uh, conversation with um, Brent about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. But it could go in many number of ways, and you guys can certainly comment on that. Adrian, if you see some comments, uh, make sure to bring them up. Praise be to God. Awesome. Will do. Uh, David, thanks for playing our game again today. Yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. Uh, the the uh, The 
wrong the wrong answers are really tough. Yeah, to come up with the wrong answer. You know what I mean? You know? Oh so. yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> My microphone has got a mind of its own. I just can't seem to keep it as straight. So I'm like it constantly wrestling so with this microphone the whole time. It's very yeah. distracting. Sorry we should about just that. like. Uh, yeah, take it down. You should probably let an engineer look at that. Yeah, a mechanical huh. engineer. Yeah, let me. Uh, Do you know, I know any? I know one. You know one? No. I just I just took. I had to like. We need to cut this uh, spring in half. I think is what. We're uh, exactly. Can I get like a sawzall and just yeah take care of that thing? So before in the storage room. Go ahead. Before we jump into going back into the the uh, Rittenhouse case, a couple questions that came from John Doe earlier. In the uh, in the very beginning of the show, actually, he said, "What denomination of Catholic is correct? Roman, Orthodox, Greek, Russian? There's quite a few flavors of Catholic." Uh, so this is actually a great question in regards to our saint of the day today. Uh, saint Josephat was a uh, was a defender of the East and the West and the unity of the East and the West. Because, no, the Orthodox are not Catholic. Um, the Greeks, there are Greek Orthodox, there are Greek Catholics. There are Russian Orthodox, there are Russian Catholics, though there's not very many Russian Catholics. Um, <laughs> it's mostly Russian Orthodox. Uh, and then Roman is the most populous of the Roman Catholics. In fact, the vast, vast majority of Catholics are Roman Catholics. But the word Catholic just implies that you are in communion with the Roman pontiff. Uh, so and this is a common pro- problem that Protestants have. They'll say, oh, yeah. You, uh, the Roman Catholics belief is, and I'm like, no, 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 the Catholic belief. And the reason why they say Roman Catholic is because they're saying, oh, but we're Catholic too. Uh, but it's like, no, you're not Catholic. Sorry. Uh, Catholic <laughs> doesn't, sorry, you can't just use that word however you want. Um, so yeah, I that's can make the words whenever that. I want. I don't know yeah, what you're talking well, about. Shakespeare my, did it. my truth is my truth. Your truth is. Yeah, well, there Whatever. you go. And so he brought up the Orthodox Catholic Church of America. They're not actually Catholic. They, uh, are not in communion with, uh, Rome, and they're also not in communion with other Orthodox communities, so that's, they're a little bit of a weird piece. Uh, he also mentioned, did you know that a majority of the music made by Mozart was Roman Catholic? He explicitly made most of it for the church. Uh, I don't know about most, but yeah, he definitely, he Mozart's Requiem, one of the most beautiful, beautiful um I went to his birth home when Absolutely. I was in Salzburg many years ago. Oh, wow. Praise it, God. it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Unfortunately, you, 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 Austria's gone crazy, though, lately. Um, Austria is, is crazy. They, uh, they're locking down the unvaxxed again. Again. Good grief. Yeah. Uh, he said, impression that the Roman Catholic was a version that was in contact with, with the Vatican. Uh, so anyone who is Catholic is in communion with Rome. Roman Catholics are people that have the tradition of the Western, of the Western uh, tradition of the church. So we have uh, the Roman liturgy, we have Roman uh, practices, uh, Roman laws. So like the canon law is Roman. Uh, so the canon, like the, our canon law isn't necessarily binding on the Eastern cha- Catholics. So there you go. Uh, have you seen the infographic on different branches? Fairly interesting. Yeah, that branch theory, that usually comes from the Anglicans. They have the different branch <laughs> theories of like, uh, we're all Catholics. Um, yeah. it's a kind of a crypto Catholic idea. And no, Kyle Rittenhouse cannot be, uh, cannot be Saint Kyle. He's, uh, I don't, I don't know if he's Catholic, um, or not, but he's definitely still alive, so he's yeah. not a saint. Come on. Um, the, we can't start his cause already. No, nope. Sorry. He said, uh, how did John the Baptist gain his authority to baptize and why can't normal people do that? So anybody can baptize. John the Baptist is a unique case, but anybody can baptize. Uh, it'll be a valid baptism. And that's, so that's a, uh, but only a priest should baptize. And then if not a priest, then a deacon. And then if not a deacon, then any, uh, person can baptize in an emergency situation. It's still valid. 
uh, but you shouldn't unless it's an emergency. And John the Baptist's baptism was not actually a, the same kind of baptism as the church baptizes because that was before the institution of the sacrament. It was a prefigurement of the coming sacrament. All right. Uh, and I think that well, covers everything. Praise be to God. Uh, thanks for comments today. That We love that. Uh, Joaquin suggested uh, Kevlar as the material that, that covers the chalice. Good yeah, stuff. Good that stuff. Was that in, would have been a good answer to uh, Yeah, South America. I, I forgot about South, Ke- South America. Kevlar yeah. comes yeah. from South America? Yeah. Wow. So do coffee beans, by the way. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Praise be to Jesus. So do I. Uh, um, okay, there you go. And so does Adrian. Um, <laughs> Come from South let's America. Let's go to uh, Brent. Uh, good morning again. Thanks for hanging out with us and being patient uh, to stay with us this whole time. So going back to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, you know, this morning I read a report. Um, many outlets reported it. I read the Breitbart version of the uh, the journalist who was there documenting things. And in his testimony, as I would say, is pretty convincing about the motivation and intentions of Kyle Rittenhouse, not wanting to attack, trying to be a help, and uh, and only uh, firing when when attacked, trying to de-escalate. It's pretty. I was. I would say it's pretty convincing. But you're an attorney. Uh, what say you? He was definitely trying to help Kyle Rittenhouse. Now. Of course, you know, from everything we've seen, what is everything he said is accurate. He was there documenting the events with video. That was his purpose in being there so that he could then go and comment on it. But uh, your description of his testimony at the beginning of the previous hour was right on. Um, He described how the agitators had been proceeding, the demonstrators had been proceeding down the street and then they stopped at the car lot because they saw some of the people people, Rittenhouse and others, on the roof with their long guns. Mm. And that's where he said Rittenhouse actually uh, went up to them and tried to de-escalate. Now, the prosecutor said, uh, asked if he could hear them. He said, no, he couldn't hear them, but he gestured with his hands, palms out, gesturing down, you know, and you know, sort of the universal calm down, calm down signal. Yeah. And uh, Drew, Hen- Drew Hernandez said it worked. He said, you know, the crowd moved on. Um, so, you know, that was significant because it showed that Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't out there looking for trouble, that yeah. he wasn't out there taking every opportunity to get into a fight. He actually was trying to de-escalate. Um, he described a lot of Rosenbaum's Emily is activity. a friend of mine. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Do? I was trying to switch and I actually hit the button. My apologies. Go on. Um, he, uh, he described a lot of what Rosenbaum did. Uh, it. He doesn't play directly into the uh, events uh, where the shootings occurred, mm. but there was a lot of activity, and Rosenbaum was on camera. There's a lot of activity down at a gas station, and they, uh, I believe it was Rosenbaum, had, they had set fire to a dumpster. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's just me, but starting fires near gas stations seems like a pretty dangerous activity. I don't know where you're coming up with that, and, Brent. It seems <laughs> yeah, not he, he logical. Also, uh, you know, Hernandez also testified that Rosenbaum used the N-word, that, you know, Rosenbaum was uh, saying, Didn't shoot he, me, he had, shoot Hadn't me. he just been released? He was. There were news reports that he had just been released from a psychiatric hospital that day. That day? That, that, that's what one report said. It's wow. also now come out that he was a horrific child pedophile rapist. Holy smokes. So, and that's why he was being evaluated in a psychiatric hospital? Well, apparently he was being, he'd been evaluated because he had threatened to kill himself. This is a man 
who needed care and treatment, who clearly had something wrong with Why him. was he released? Do anybody? I, I didn't read this report, so I don't know. Do you happen to know? Well, I don't know, but I can tell you, you know, the legal standard for uh, keeping someone against their will because of mental health is they have to be a danger to themselves or others. Like the children he was attacking. Well, those children are back in Arizona. Um, oh, man. He, um, but... It, in order to keep anybody against their will, you, you have to show that, that they're a danger to <clears throat> themselves or others. And the doctors there presumably concluded that the suicide threat had passed. So but he clearly to. was a disturbed person. Yeah, clearly. And this is the, the killing Rosenbaum is the strongest case the prosecutors have because Rosenbaum didn't have a weapon. You know, Grosskreutz. Grosskreutz is the one who should have been charged with the crime there because he was the one who first pointed his – he approached mm-hmm. Rittenhouse while Rittenhouse was down on the ground. He approached him um, even after Rittenhouse had fired on someone else. Instead of just leaving, Grosskreutz approached him and pointed his handgun at him. Grosskreutz is not a sworn peace officer. He's not a police officer. He's not mm-hmm. a sheriff's deputy. He's not a United States marshal. He's not an FBI agent. He is, however, he admitted it has an affiliation with a Marxist uh, militia group, uh, the People's Revolution. Oh, wow. So Grosskreutz is the true vigilante in that situation. Kyle Rittenhouse never should have been charged with with Grosskreutz's uh, injury because Grosskreutz pointed his gun at Kyle Rittenhouse, and Grosskreutz admitted that, but that was also visible in videotape, and that's why it was wrong for the prosecutors to bring that case. On Rosenbaum, who was the first one who was shot, Mm -hmm. There's no good video of that event. It all comes down to the testimony, although there's uh, some distant video that picks up audio. Uh, But Rosenbaum didn't have a deadly weapon on him, as it turns out. So you can see why, in a situation like that, maybe uh, prosecutors would say, look, the fair thing here is to put this to a jury and let a jury decide. Yeah. Now, oh, just made me think about it. You said uh, there was no great video of that. Um, Yet we discovered in in the process of this trial that the FBI had drone footage. The FBI has a lot like, of drone footage. College you is. Who knew the FBI was running drones above our cities? At uh, this time? They're not the only ones, Joe. <laughs> what? I mean, and, and I guess the, uh, from some of the uh, uh, commentary that I looked at, and I didn't look too deep into this, just so you know. Um, they made an argument that said, well, our, our job isn't to get involved in these, these local affairs. O- only school boards, Joe. <laughs> Only school board. Oh, okay. My bad. I'm writing that down. Uh, FBI, only 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 school school boards. boards. When it comes to local issues, only school boards. Yeah, Mm. gotcha. Um, But that's that's rather bizarre, don't you think, that they're going to fly drones above our cities during the riots and then not take any action to do anything? Well, we could have an entire program on the activities of the FBI. <laughs> could we not? I Maybe mean, we should book just, a show. You know, only a few days ago, they, they raided the home and offices of uh, reporters of Project I, I Veritas. I reported on that, yeah. They cuffed uh, him, by the way. And so they, we have a comment from Bill Collins. Uh, get what, uh, your take on it. Uh, he said, Kyle appeared to be well-intentioned, but was his full frontal cortex really developed enough to be there with the weapon. I have six kids. I ask myself, would I want my child to be there with the weapon? Uh, then he goes on and says, I agree on the Rosenbaum being the strongest case for the prosecution, but he did attempt to grab the rifle. Many police have shot when people have tried to get their guns, and legitimately so. Yeah. So uh, your take? Well, first of all, I, look, I'm not— That's one of the main issues is why is an underage uh, uh, young man armed with an AR-15 at this event? And that's one of the questions at stake in this trial. Well, it, that's not supposed to be that's not supposed to be the issue. The issue should be: Was he justified 
in defending himself with deadly force. Yeah, but and isn't that question, what one of the one of the angles the prosecutor was going after in his cross examination? Well, anytime uh, lawyers in court, and it doesn't matter what kind of case it is, they you know they they want to put the specific issue in the context of a larger story and a narrative, try to get everything across you know to the jury. Um, and to back up for just a moment, I am not saying that Rittenhouse was was not justified in shooting Mr. Rosenbaum. Uh, what I'm saying is I understand why the prosecutors might say, look, we really need to have this case decided by a jury, and I'm using that to contrast that that with the decision to charge Rittenhouse on the Grosskreutz uh, a shooting because it, that's completely different. I mean, the, Grosskreutz had, an, had a handgun, he aimed at it. He aimed it at Rittenhouse. Yeah, it's different. And he sh- it's Grosskreutz who should have been charged. What I'm saying is Rosenbaum, for all of his behavior, and I think Rittenhouse was justified in shooting him. Uh, what I'm saying is you can understand where, mm. and there's no good video. There's no direct video on that. Yeah. So you can understand where the prosecutors would say, let's put that to a jury. Now, this issue of a uh, 17-year-old um, going around with a rifle and being in situations like that, that raises a, a question for me that I've wondered about from the beginning. We haven't heard anything. I haven't heard much about him. Is uh, where was his father, and what's the father's role in his upbringing? And we as Catholics understand why families are so important. Oh, look at the the gang beating of a sixty some odd year old man of, and, in New York and City, and it's every day. Um, so Kyle Rittenhouse strikes me as a well intentioned young man, a good natured young man. Mm. Um, it, I think he's also been shown to be somewhat of an embellisher. A lot of people well, he's are. immature. It's, it's, yes, especially when you're a teenager. Uh, yeah. You know, whether it's resume padding or making exaggerations on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the, the forum is. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's something also that the prosecution used against him. You know, they were right. able to say that he lied claiming he was an EMT. And the prosecution made a point. Uh, that uh, you lied even when you were being interviewed because he lied to the media because he's mm-hmm. being interviewed. And he said, yes, I'm an EMT. And that goes back to Adrian's uh, question at the end of the uh, radio broadcast where, you know, is the prosecutor really incompetent or or it, is he doing these things on purpose? No, the prosecutor is very good. He got some of those admissions, admissions out of Rittenhouse. Mm. But this issue of him running around with a gun, uh, look, I support Second Amendment rights and uh, there, it, he'll probably he'll probably you know get convicted on the possession of, of a dangerous weapon because mm. he's 17 years old and he had. But it. that's a much lesser charge. Much lesser. They are not worried about that. Yeah. yeah the only thing you, you, that, that I read that that's nine months in jail at the most. Oh wow, he could still go to jail over that. He, he could. Now most yeah. people in most jurisdictions for something like that would, you know. Now, get, get probation. Did, wait, so I thought, so uh, maybe you can correct me here, because uh, I had, my understanding was he didn't violate any laws in regards to carrying a weapon because he didn't cross state borders with it because it was someone else's gun um, on, in the state that he was coming into. And it was, uh, and he did, I thought he did have permission to have that that gun. Well, he testified that he had paid for it that he kept it with his friend. It's true. Uh, a lot of the hysterical media keep using this phrase. He crossed state lines. He crossed state lines. Well, go look at the map. You know, his family lives there in Kenosha. His father, grandmother, I think cousins. Mm. He apparently had worked a, a job in Kenosha that day as a lifeguard or something. So it's practically uh, his residency. It, it, yeah. That, 
It, it's it's home for him. It's not certainly. the same as when Antifa was going by yes, busloads into new cities like the one right here we live in in Houston, Texas, showing up having pallets of bricks delivered downtown in hopes of right. fostering a riot, but, threatening Annunciation Catholic Church to burn it down to the face of the pastor. Which is why Adrian and I and other men had to go stand guard over that parish during that time. Right, but the other thing is though, even if he had cross state lines, why? Like, even if that, like that, I don't understand the line of argumentation because, like, for instance, if I was, I don't know, in Louisiana and someone said, "Hey, someone's going to attack my church at an annunciation," uh, and I'd be like, "Hey, my, I have friends and family over there," or I just want to be a good person, like, "Hey, I'm going to go over there and and stand guard outside annunciation just to be a good citizen." Um, would that be why? Why would that be? Is that criminal? Is that wrong? The crossing state lines is significant if it is if someone is involved in a crime, out uh, because it can bring in it can give the FBI jurisdiction or it can give mm. the federal government jurisdiction. Well, the other issue too is, I mean, every state has their own laws in regards to hand, to weapons. Yes, so, to and firearms. yeah, this whole this whole issue of him crossing state lines, this is just a talking point by. The hysterical commentators and media who are trying to tur- trying to turn this uh, entire s- tragic situation into something yeah. it's not, um, you know, uh, the president when he was still the candidate, mm-hmm. you know, sent out a uh, sent out a tweet with a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse holding his rifle, yeah, uh, criticizing Donald Trump for quote you know not condemning white supremacy. Yeah, so I, that's that's mind numbing because that that was bigger than just that too. There were people who are gun advocates on the right who came out against Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, look, Kyle Ritten, you know, th- this goes back to the issue of why is a seventeen year old going around with a, with an AR fifteen? His maturity level, all of that 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 was a volatile situation. Um, you know, the another question I've always had uh, since this all started is if you are up there defending property. One thing you do in a situation like that is you make sure you stay with your group. You know, yeah. you don't, don't allow yourself you to get separated. Yeah. You know, you don't allow yourself to get separated. That goes back to the maturity issue and, and people who advocate for gun rights. You know, we don't want to lose our gun rights because of the irresponsible actions of others. Mm. Well, um, just in a defense of Kyle right there, I mean, I think it shows a lot of, I mean, if I, for some reason, decided that I wanted to do something like that, I don't know if I would have had the foresight to like be like, okay, I'm gonna, I have a gun in the other state. I'm gonna travel across. I'm gonna make sure I have my gun with me. Have the discipline and the training enough to be able to use it only in the circumstance where he did use it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and he was going over or the medical not, kit or the medical kit on. he had on yeah. the people he was helping. Like, it, it didn't seem to me that he was being immature. I mean, you might argue, I mean, it's, it's like if someone is a 40 years old and did the same thing, I don't know if they would have done anything better. Uh, right. if they yeah. were 40 years old, I think he was I showing agree. a lot of maturity. You might argue that nobody should be doing what he did and that it's just a wrong thing to do, but I don't think or it's a question poten- of mature, maturity. I, th- I think the argument may be more of the potential for, greater danger because of the immaturity potential. I think it's more of a potential argument than it is in in the actual behavior that night. I mean, because people Uh, his age can go to war. Although I have to agree strongly, Kyle had no business out walking by himself. Well, to go back to Adrian, that was very well put. Uh, um, I think in in those instances, you shouldn't say once, that to him. Once it once goes, he gets, it, we can't say these things publicly. Well, once Rittenhouse gets in those situations, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and he had the foresight not to point his gun at people until he had no choice but to shoot. Right, and I don't know if I would have had that discipline. That's that's I'm, I'm pretty he, impressed. Yeah, and he he 
he seems like he knows what he's doing when it comes to handling firearms. You know, he yeah. explained. He even the, testified at one point um, that there was there was one person who uh, was confronting him, and he didn't point. This was after one shot was fired. He still didn't point his gun at the person. I can't remember. 100% the specifics, but if you go back and watch the testimony, you'll see it. And the I think the attorney asks him, well, why didn't you point the gun? Because he didn't he didn't pose a threat to me, to my life. Like, that's 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 a lot of that's a lot of control and discipline uh, right there. That demonstrates well, quite a bit. Look, the reality is that most firearm owners are very responsible. Right, 100%. Um, firearm, this is why the Alec Baldwin shooting situation, for example, illustrates right. the difference between... <laughs> oh, are you familiar? Are, have you been watching that? Uh, it's, look... The um, rumor mill is so active right now on that issue. I haven't heard the latest one. I saw that a lawsuit was filed yesterday. Uh, yes, from, the technician the who held yeah. uh, Helena Hutchins in her dying moments is suing Alec Baldwin, the armor, and the assistant director, but there are claims out there, rumors allegedly that this was intended. Well, whether it was intended or not, the point is That's anybody insane. who you know anybody who respects the Second Amendment and you know, owns firearms, uh, or is even familiar with with it with it uh, in terms of familiar with gun ownership knows that Alec Baldwin and the person who handed in the gun they both violated the fundamental yeah. rules of firearms. If if I have a gun and I hand it to you. Uh, you know this, you were in the Marine Corps, but if I have a yeah. gun and I hand it to you and I say, don't worry, Joe, it's not loaded, who's responsible for that gun? Me. You are. Yeah, 100%. And Alec Baldwin was responsible. I agree, totally. That, that was my comment that when that story broke, is uh, the armor, the assistant director, that's all well and good. Now, the, the, some of the stories that are coming out with this technician's lawsuit is, uh, part of his lawsuit was, well, Alec set the stage on the set by being a tyrant. And he didn't want to be bothered and messed with. And so everybody was walking on eggshells. So they didn't want to have to go through all the procedures to, to, to bother him. And so that sort of set the stage for this. I, but I don't care. Alex hands on the gun. That's right. And you don't take a gun from someone else and not check it first. You know what I mean? Like, in fact, it's in the Marine Corps, when you're, when you're going through a general inspection, you're standing at attention and the DI or your commanding officer is walking down the line and he look, takes your weapon. What's the first thing he does? Checks even, it. Even mm -hmm. in the formality of that, you know, sort of uh, that uh, quasi-liturgy that happens well, in the military. Little, hold on, hold on, hold on. They, they check the weapon first. Yeah. yeah. And you'll see that in videos. People, the kind of thing, you know, they, they gloss over it. They don't realize it. But if you pay attention, you look. Yeah, you always see the drill instructor or whoever it is. You see them. You see yeah. them. Uh, the, and that's in a, a like a, a sort of like a, a, a ritual of, of kind. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's just the way it goes. Someone hands you a gun. You're responsible. You can't pull the trigger and blame someone else. You just can't. That's exactly. So, that is I, well, it's kind of funny, though, because I have I know someone who is um, who is in Hollywood and they were um, and they were told because they were just they were just literally just like a grip and they didn't do anything else. And they were making like no money at all, but they were asking someone on set of a of a of a movie, does anyone know how to shoot a firearm? Anyone know how to use a firearm? 
Nobody said they knew how to do it. So then That's they scary. asked the entire. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so this is California. This is California. <laughs> this is California. So, they asked, right. so they asked the whole crew, does anyone know how to use a firearm? And he was like, uh, I do. And he asked him about it. He goes, yeah, I own firearms. And everybody was like, oh, my oh, right. so God. That was the last day he worked there, wasn't it? <laughs> no. Well, so, so he actually ended up getting to be on screen because he was the only person that knew how to use a firearm. <laughs> no kidding. And so, and so that, that like, this isn't shocking. Like these, like nobody but in Alec Hollywood. But Baldwin's been on many movies with handguns in Right, that's yeah. to give him an excuse. I'm just saying, like, yeah. it's not surprising to me that people on set have no sense of how to handle firearms. Not, they it, should, but they don't. It, look, it's it's just life in general. A friend of mine uh, who has handled firearms uh, during the riots last summer, she went and, you know, bought at least one additional firearm. Yeah. Notice, I, uh, notice gun least, sales are, but, were up by millions. But here's, but here's the point of this story is, then she's telling me later, you know, her, her husband is, uh, doesn't share her convictions on all these issues. And her husband, um, is a very well, uh, educated, very accomplished man, but he doesn't know anything about guns. And so she's telling me afterwards in horror, she's telling me, yeah, you know, he's got these, he picked up the gun and he's just like waving it around. Oh my. And, and, you know, and she was rightly horrified. Yeah. Um, people, and it's, it's familiarity. Uh, or in this case, it's, you know, lack of familiarity, you know, breeds contempt when sure. it comes to guns. But getting back to the Rittenhouse case, um, you know, when he was on the stand, the prosecution has been trying to argue that he was doing something with his, when he was laying on his back during the second and third shootings um, or, or was down on the ground, the, mm-hmm. the prosecution was trying to argue that, you know, he was doing something. And they tr- they were trying to say that he had, as they said, racked, you know, the yeah. better word is charge. Yeah. But as he, you know, that's well, where you, the, the, yeah, it's this on the AR-15. There's the rack. You pull it back, and it p- brings the bolt back, and then you let it go, and it slams around into the chamber. And if he had, and and so Kyle makes Rittenhouse, a pretty distinct noise. And as and Kyle Rittenhouse explained, well, yeah, if you do that, then the uh, the round that's that's in the chamber gets discharged, and then later. Uh, with one of the witnesses, well, one of the evidence witnesses, the defense established you didn't find any live rounds there. Laying did on the ground. You? And by discharge, we don't mean it came out the barrel, it comes out the chamber. I'm sorry, that, yeah, exactly. It ejects no, you're right, it you're out right. of the chamber. It ejects it. I shouldn't say yeah, discharge. So it would be lying on the it ground, ejects it. and it would be an actual bullet with a, you know, uh, K, uh, 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 a cartridge with a round in and, it. And in there it, wouldn't yeah. have been anything wrong with if Rittenhouse had done that anyway. What, what He's already shot at least once in self defense, and if he thinks his weapon is jammed, that's a standard procedure for clearing a jam. Sure is. is. is, is yeah. So uh, he seems to know what he's doing. Uh, you're well, right. Uh, you, yeah, that's that point we made a minute ago. It, it, I am very impressed, actually, given the, the, the intensity of that situation. Being surrounded, it could, he could multiple people trying to harm you. You don't know if they intend to kill you. They're trying to swing a skateboard at your head. They're trying to put a boot on your head. I mean, in the Marine Corps, when we did line training, uh, we were trained to put your boot through the skull of your enemy. Like, that's what you do in that move. It's not to just, you know, tag you and you're it. So... Even though they did, the, uh, that person didn't have a gun. That boot becomes a threatening life, yeah, a life-threatening look, the, weapon. You go back. The and you skateboard look, is a life-threatening weapon. That that exactly. You go back and you look at the videos of, uh, especially from the riots from last summer. Uh, this uh, phenomenon or this activity of people taking running head starts and jumping and doing flying kicks. This has become a frequent occurrence, and and, and skateboards are heavy. You know, they're they're, they're heavy. Uh, you know, it, it's like hitting somebody, uh, say, with a bat or almost with a bat. 
um, you know, these were serious threats. And of course, that's what the jury's going to have to determine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I agree with what Adrian said earlier. I mean, it, it, once you got into that situation, and, and I think you're making the same point, Joe, mm-hmm. you know, Rittenhouse, he could, you know, he, he could have lost it. He could have been immature. He could have just started yeah. shooting everybody anywhere, yeah. anywhere around him, and he didn't. Do you think, we only have a couple of minutes left where we have to say goodbye. Um, I mean, if you were a betting man, how would you bet this trial ends? I mean, I it's think, pure speculation. But I think, first of all, I think I think probably all the issues go to the jury that the judge the judge may take away the issue on Grosskreutz because Grosskreutz said on the witness stand, right? I pointed he pointed the gun first. Other judge than that, might, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Exactly. The judge <laughs> the judge might actually take that issue away from the jury and say, "I'm directing you on this one." Yeah. Um, it's hard. The problem is this trial's become politicized. The yeah. jurors have already been filmed. The judge told the jurors they've been filmed. Um, there, are, uh, the police are already preparing for riots right. if the jurors don't come out. If the jury doesn't come back with convictions, yeah. So the sad thing is, this is beginning. This can affect the jury process. If the jury follows the evidence, he's going to be acquitted on all of the serious uh, murder charges. Oh, really? And the, well, sure. I mean, we we yeah. and we've all seen it. The only one that doesn't have the direct video is with Rosenbaum. And there we have the evidence that he'd threatened to kill him earlier. He was charging him, and he and he had grabbed the weapon. Um, and then maybe the jury finds him guilty, uh, possibly of a lesser charge, but probably the jury finds him guilty on the firearms charge. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. Praise be to God. Uh, golly, Jewish guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you, Brent Haynes, for coming in, giving us uh, some interesting conversation about the trial. And uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you on Monday. I'll be in Baltimore. Hopefully, if you're in Baltimore area, come see me. I'd love to say hi to you. Uh, but I'll do the show there on Monday and Tuesday and uh, be back in the studio Wednesday. Adrian's in the crew is going to be here, though. Praise Jesus. Thank you, David Magianis, for coming in to help. And uh, Joshua Phillips from Epic Times is going to be on Monday to talk about the border. And on uh, Tuesday, David O'Gray is going to join us. Wednesday, we got the uh, lawyer for the SEALs. It's coming up next week. God love you. Thank you for joining us.